Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. What a flurry of activity at Supreme Court in downtown Vancouver late this afternoon. Meng Wanzhou, a top executive at Chinese tech giant Huawei, now free on $10 million bail. Meng was detained in Vancouver on fraud charges at the request of U.S. authorities more than a week ago. Our Ramina Dea is at the courthouse for us tonight. And Ramina, $10 million bail, that's a big figure. Take us through what happened today. It's a monster amount, Sophie. I can tell you that uh, Courtroom 20 has been the, at the epicenter of this international case with global ramifications. Applause erupted in the courtroom today after Justice Erkey announced that Meng will be free on bail. Now, at this hour, what's happening right now is she is still in custody. She has not perfected bail yet. They're getting close, though. Her guarantors are working with the registry to try to come up with that ma amount. Again, $10 million a huge amount to get together for this bail. Hmong supporters were overjoyed with today's decision. Get her, her out is kind of, how do I say, it's not damaging the Canada uh, and China relation that much, but still uh, keep her in some ways of control. Uh, I'm very glad uh, he, he, she's released it. Uh, this is, uh, I think it's uh, she's the honest person. Now, Meng must abide by about 12 conditions. She must wear a GPS tracking bracelet at all times. She will be subject to 24-7 surveillance by two security officers with a private firm. Now, Meng has agreed to pick up the costs. She must surrender all passports. She is allowed to travel within the boundaries of Vancouver, Richmond, and North Vancouver. Now, she must reside at one of the family's two multi-million dollar properties. She will reside at the West 28th location with her husband and 10-year-old daughter. She's got three other children. So what does it cost for freedom? As you mentioned, $10 million in guarantors. So there are six of them in total who are acting as surety. They've pledged $10 million in cash and property. They're responsible essentially for making sure that Hmong doesn't breach her conditions. $7 million of that $10 million amount was put up in cash by Hmong's husband and three million by others, including a realtor, friends, and a yoga instructor, one of her neighbors. Now, Meng is due back in court on February 6th. As far as the extradition goes, the U.S. has until February 1st to officially ask for extradition and get all the certified documents in place. Meng maintains her innocence and says that she will fight every extradition order. Back to you. All right, Ramina, U.S. President Donald Trump weighing in tonight now saying he would consider intervening in the U.S. Justice Department's case. What did he say? So all of that to wrap together. 
Yeah, no surprise there with Trump, who's, uh, who can be very unpredictable. He says that whatever it takes uh, for his country, whatever is for the best interest of his country, he will do so. He says that we're talking about the largest trade deal ever here between China and the U.S. National security depends on it. So if he needs to intervene, he will do so. Sophie. All right, we'll see what happens next. Thanks very much, Romina. A former Canadian diplomat, meantime, who served as a political lead to Prime Minister Justin Trudeau in Hong Kong, is believed to have been detained in China. Michael Kovrig works for International Crisis Group as a senior advisor. The organization released a statement saying that it is aware of reports of Kovrig's arrest and it's doing everything possible to find him and have him released. Kovrig's detention comes after China warned of severe consequences following Meng's arrest in Vancouver. Big changes coming on the drunk driving front. Right now, police need a reasonable suspicion of impairment before they can ask a driver to take a roadside sobriety test. But starting next week, that all changes. Grace Key is live with more on this now, and Grace officers will soon be able to use breathalyzers randomly. Yeah, right now, if an officer thinks you've been drinking and driving, they might ask you where you've been, how much you had to drink, see if you smell like alcohol, if you have some bloodshot eyes. But soon, that won't be necessary. You're going to church? Okay. Yeah. Anything to drink tonight? No. It's a common question police ask when trying to form reasonable suspicion before demanding a roadside breath test. But just in time for the holiday season, a new law will be in place to detect drunk drivers. Starting on December 18th, police won't need a reason to demand a breath sample. Criminal defense lawyer Sarah Lehman says this raises serious concerns. The right not to be unlawfully detained at the roadside. And that's been one of the reasons why our courts have traditionally interpreted the requirement of police officers to have a reasonable suspicion as an important one that they have to form prior to administering a breath test. Good evening. The other concern deals with unreasonable search and seizure on the roadside. Being asked to provide a breath sample is a rather invasive process. Mm -hmm. You are providing a bodily sample and it's done without a warrant. So having a suspicion on the part of the officer is one of the constitutional safeguards against an unreasonable search at the roadside. Bill C-46 made reforms to alcohol and drug-impaired driving laws. It's a companion to Bill C-45, which legalized recreational marijuana. The federal government says the new law will make the roads safer for everyone. Up to 50% of drivers with a blood alcohol concentration above the legal limit are not currently being detected at roadside check stops. We need to fix this. But when we think about uh, community interests and individual liberties with respect to the Charter, it's all about balancing those two factors and making sure that we're striking an appropriate balance between a person's liberties and also community safety. Well, this is, of course, expected to be the subject of a constitutional challenge. The federal government has come forward saying they're confident it will be able to withstand any legal challenge. Chris? All right, Grace, thanks very much. Heavy commercial vehicles represent about 3% of vehicles on the road. And yet, according to a new study, they are involved in almost 20% of fatal crashes. As Ted Chernecki reports, BC's Auditor General has identified a series of problems that need to be addressed urgently. Road conditions like these are already an obvious hazard. Less obvious is how wet conditions amplify a systemic problem in the way British Columbians share their roads. 
On average, there are 285 deaths a year, 61 of them involving commercial vehicles. The government does have a 0% goal in terms of fatalities, and so we thought it was important to look at the, the factors as to why. Heavy trucks might be involved in 20% of fatal crashes, but the truck drivers themselves can only be blamed for about a third of them. Small vehicles don't give us uh, enough room. Uh, the weights were up to 60,000 kilos and they just don't realize it. And they just cut right in front of you, put on the brakes, oh, I need to make a left turn here. And... Well, when it goes bad, it goes really bad. Really bad. But there are several other safety issues. The audit suggests there's no way to enforce privately run commercial vehicle inspectors who may be doing an inadequate job. Moreover, BC doesn't even know if its commercial licensing standards are adequate. Right now, BC is the only Western province that is not actively pursuing a mandatory entry-level training regime. Uh, we've been working with government and calling on government to implement these solutions. In short, the Auditor General says BC has to do more. The Trucking Association agrees describing the current safety protocols as a bureaucratic mess with no one agency seeming to be fully in control. There is quite a movement uh, across Canada to have licensing standards in place and, and testing, if you will, and so it is something that BC is looking at. The report re-emphasizes the need for everyone on the road to give heavy commercial vehicles the room they need to maneuver safely, even if some of them keep hogging the left passing lane. Ted Chernacki, Global News. Based on the images in that report, you can tell heavy rain and wind pummeled the south coast today, creating all kinds of problems on our roads. The pooling water and flooding started early and lasted much of the day, causing major headaches in a number of areas, including transit. Catherine Urquhart has a look at the worst hit spots. On some city streets, a boat might have been better than a car, as Metro Vancouver was pummeled with rain. This flooding on King George Boulevard in Surrey. In Vancouver, city crews rushed to unplug drains, but it couldn't happen fast enough for some people. It's coming in my tenants' doors. City hasn't been around to clean the drains out, and it's uh, it's quite disgusting what what's happened down here. Burnaby also battled the deluge from above. Some of the worst flooding was on Still Creek Avenue, where cars were stalling out. There was so much water. Just trying to sort this up. For some commuters, it meant waiting. Takes a little bit of time. Trains come in faster than we have buses, so. And more waiting. A bridge bus was needed due to flooding at SkyTrain's Columbia station. It's really all messed up. How long have we had to wait? About 40, 45 minutes. Another 40 minutes to Surrey. Delayed. delayed. My day is very delayed. I just want to go home and sleep. Yeah. Very cold. It usually only takes me an hour to get home. This is about um, another half hour to an hour travel time. Fortunately, crews were able to drain the water and SkyTrain resumed full service. A long, wet day to be sure. And while many of us complained, for others, it was just a walk on the beach. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Well, meteorologist Christy Gordon joins us now with a look at just how much rain we got and whether or not the worst is over. Christy. Chris, forecasted rainfall totals were bang on 50 to 60 millimeters in the hardest hit areas from Burnaby North. And the strongest winds were actually through the Strait of Georgia, as predicted, with gusts up to 96 kilometers an hour to Wasson, saw gusts up to 69. And there is currently only one warning still in effect, a wind warning for Victoria. So gusts will continue into the morning hours there. So yes, the worst is over, but we've got another soaker on the way. By late tomorrow, we will be right back into the heavy rain. Your commute home tomorrow may likely be affected.
All right, more details a little further ahead. Thanks, Christy. We'll check in later. And all that rain has been falling as snow on the North Shore, and that has rescue crews on alert as we head into the winter season. As Sarah McDonald reports tonight, North Shore Rescue is on the verge of setting a new record for callouts, and there's still three weeks left in the year. The terrain is world-renowned, a draw for tourists and outdoor enthusiasts from all over the world. But BC's backcountry can also be dangerous, even deadly, and those venturing out into it simply aren't getting the message. We've now matched our total for our highest uh, year, which was 2015, 139 calls to date. North Shore Rescue already matching its record number of callouts this year with two rescues over the weekend and still three weeks to go until the end of 2018. Officials expecting more scenes like this before then. Bracing for that spike in calls typical of the holiday season. And all too often those callouts are entirely preventable, especially in inclement conditions like these, which can be deceiving. What falls as rain at lower elevations is snow higher up. People can be within view of the city and they're stuck either off a trail or above a waterfall or in, in very dangerous terrain um, and not always do you have cell coverage. That's why it's crucial to be prepared for any conditions with the proper equipment and a hiking partner and a plan detailing your trip. Off to the side please folks. To avoid having it end in yet another risky rescue in what's poised to be a record-breaking season. Sarah McDonald, Global News, North Vancouver. Right now, though, a deeper dive into ICBC's financial dumpster fire, fueled in part by the soaring cost of repairing vehicles. On average, the insurance corporation now spends $1.5 billion each year to fix or write off wrecks. A big portion of that is paid to body shops, around $745 million last year. And while there is no evidence to suggest body shops are padding the bills, some feel the rules themselves are just too charitable. Jordan Armstrong reports. Ah, what the f when you get into a minor crash, you take your car to a body shop, an express repair facility certified by ICBC. There are more than 500 of them in the province. The shop takes photos and sends them to the insurance corp for approval to start repairs. Here's what you may not know. If ICBC fails to respond to the request within two business hours, the shop can go ahead with the work anyway. The problem they find is there's just not enough of them. Annette Toth is with the union representing ICBC workers. I just can't imagine any industry, for example, if you had a, somebody come and do a reno in your house, that after two hours, if you didn't say, yeah, that looks like the appropriate amount of money, they could start tearing out your kitchen, doing the work and sending you the bill. So how often are estimates slipping through the two-hour window? ICBC didn't have an answer. I don't have information on that, uh, Jordan, in which case, you know, they're being rubber stamped. A senior ICBC estimator who asked to remain anonymous told Global News, quote, up to 2,000 estimates are coming into ICBC for approval every day. And of those, about one-third or more than 660 estimates are lapsing through the two-hour window and are automatically approved. The union points out the two-hour rule was established at a time when only a small number of claims went through the express system, about 25% in 2009. Today, it's more than 70%. It just isn't designed for that, and, and some changes need to be made. 
Their answer is, as you would expect, hire more estimators, and ICBC agrees. Yeah, ICBC has definitely gone through the process right now of hiring more estimators. Another thing about Express Body Shops, many have something called Earned Authority. Level 1 automatically approves repairs below $1,500. Level 2, $2,500. Quote, a human doesn't even look at these requests, said the senior ICBC estimator. They're auto-approved and auto-paid. We do handpick certain ones that come in, and that's part of our due diligence. On top of those spot checks, just 78 of the 500 or so express repair shops underwent full audits last year by ICBC's supplier management team. Quote, while all audits found some level of non-compliance, not all are related to serious issues. In the end, only one shop was dropped from the express program. The current system is working very well. Um, there's always room for improvement. The Automotive Retailers Association, which represents body shops, says the cost of parts has risen dramatically, and their members are just following the rules. We have challenged uh, our uh, detractors to provide any evidence uh, that, that shows or suggests uh, proofs that, that shops are overbilling uh, ICBC or in any way uh, unduly benefiting from the relationship. Uh, we've never seen any such evidence. Last year's audit of ICBC found the rates used by body shops were consistent among each other and within 5% of the national average. At the end of the day, you've got a union that wants more workers, a repair industry that wants to maintain profits, and a public corporation that says it's changing with the times, but still believes the current system works well. Caught in the middle of this wreck are BC drivers, left with the ballooning bill. Jordan Armstrong, Global News. Yeah, and Keith Baldry joins us now from Victoria with more on the losses. And Keith, it sounds like we'll all be paying more soon to make up for it. Yeah, hang on to your wallets, folks, because it's time for the annual rate increase to ICBC rates. Uh, and it's going to happen this week, as a matter of fact. So ICBC is applying to the BC Utilities Commission this, later this week on Thursday. They all announce the number that they're going to be looking for in terms of the annual insurance rate. Last uh, year was 6.4%. Uh, who knows what it's going to be this year, This year, but it also will take effect in starting in uh, next April 1st. So the rate will be announced this week, but it doesn't take effect until next April 1st. Runs through the course of the year through the fiscal year to March uh, 31st of 2019. And then keep in mind, there's a whole new rate structure coming in next fall, next September. And that's going to affect people in different ways. If you've got a, a bad record of driving, your insurance may see a significant increase here. Now, back to what we could be looking for in terms of a number. Uh, the the BC NDP has kept on the books the policy from the BC Liberals, which is called rate smoothing, which means the rate increase is limited to uh, one and a half points on either side of last year's increase. Last year, 6.4. I would think you're going to add 1.5 to probably a 7 to 8% rate increase starting next April. Chris? All right. Thanks for the update. Keith okay. Baldry and Victoria for us. Tonight. It could be a precedent-setting human rights case. Former NDP MLA candidate Morgan Auger fights back against a man she says targeted her with hate speech. This week, the Human Rights Tribunal is hearing Auger's complaint against Bill Watcott a vocal critic of transgender rights. Nadia Stewart has the details. At the center of the case, this flyer. Those who say its words should be defended as freedom of speech and those who say it spreads a hateful message. So you don't just get to say whatever you want and hurt people. 
Pam, you're NDP candidate for the election coming up. OJ was running for the NDP when the flyers were widely distributed throughout False Creek. But she says messages like this are still being spread. You know, my, my Twitter and my Facebook and my email are regularly filled with people who very, very calmly and clearly give hateful commentary. Oje and her supporters hope this case puts an end to the spread of anti-transgender campaigns. We're interested in the case because we are concerned that trans rights not become a watered-down version of the rights that everyone else enjoys. Well, my opinion is biological males are biological males and you shouldn't vote for them when they run for the NDP. Bill Woodcott is the man on the other side of this debate. In this video filmed at UBC and uploaded on Monday, Watcott continues to defend his position and reasons behind distributing the flyer, citing freedom of religion and speech. The Justice Centre for Constitutional Freedoms says Watcott has a right to express himself, particularly during an election campaign, and those words should not be interpreted as hate. We've got to have a clearer standard than simply offensiveness, and that's the problem with, with the legislation. Even, even the term hate, uh, I've never met somebody that can explain the difference between hate and strong dislike. This isn't the first time Watcott's words have landed him in trouble with the law. In 2013, the Supreme Court of Canada ruled he violated hate speech laws when handing out flyers denouncing homosexuals in Saskatchewan. The hearing for this case continues on Wednesday and is scheduled to wrap up Monday. Nadia Stork, Global News. Terror in the French city of Strasbourg tonight after a shooting near a well-known Christmas market. At least two people are dead and more than a dozen others injured. The country's been on high alert since attacks in 2015 and that market was heavily guarded. Bill Neely reports on the hunt for the suspect and how he was already on police radar. Panicked screams, people fleeing. A deadly terror attack tonight near a Christmas market. One victim on the street, another shot nearby. Further away, two more. The gunman struck around eight in the evening. His victims apparently random. Witnesses report a dozen shots fired in bursts. I was taking a walk uh, at the Christmas market. Uh, I heard some, some shots, six or seven shots, and then I saw... Two people on the ground and, and, and many, many Thank people, you. of Go course, are screaming and starting to, to run. Armed police poured in, but the gunman was on the loose. The historic Strasbourg market, visited by millions every year, is heavily guarded. The attack was just 400 yards away. Authorities placed the city centre on lockdown, warning people to stay indoors. Soon they knew who he was. He had a criminal record but not where he was. Stores and restaurants were ordered closed, customers inside. At the nearby European Parliament, lawmakers were locked in. We have all been locked up, so to speak. Uh, we, uh, the, the whole Parliament has been locked. Also locked in a restaurant, this Euronews correspondent. That they cannot give us a time. It could be 10 minutes, it could be one hour that we should just stay indoors. Authorities say this is terrorism by a lone gunman. Two years ago, a truck was driven into a Christmas market in Berlin, killing 11 and injuring dozens. France is still on terror alert, since a wave of Islamist attacks killed more than 200 people. Tonight in one of its major cities, mourning families and a manhunt. Fireworks erupt in the Oval Office today with cameras rolling. Yes. If we don't get what we want, one way or the other, whether it's through you, through a military, through anything you want to call, 
I will shut down the government. Okay, absolutely. And I am proud, and I'll tell you what. An extraordinary and tense public clash over funding for the wall. It involved President Trump and two Democrats, House Minority Leader Nancy Pelosi and Senate Minority, uh, Minority Leader Chuck Schumer. A photo op before a meeting on the budget turned into an open argument as U.S. President Trump promised drastic measures to force taxpayers to fund his border wall. The fact is, Tonight, a preview of what divided Nancy, government under President Trump looks like. Nancy, Nancy. An unprecedented display of drama and disagreement in the Oval Office with cameras rolling. You keep no, no, talking no, no, about no. The last time, Chuck, you shut it down. No, no, no. And then you opened it up times, very quickly. And 20 times. I don't want to do what you did. 20 but, times Chuck, you have called for, I will shut down the government if I don't get my wool. Democrats Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi clashing with the president over his demand for $5 billion to build a border wall. That same wall the president promised Mexico would pay for. Who's going to pay for the wall? Who? The experts say you can do border security without a wall, which is wasteful and doesn't solve the problem. It, It totally solves the problem. President Trump even endorsing a partial government shutdown at the end of next week if he doesn't get his way. And I am proud, and I'll tell you what, I am proud to shut down the government for border security, Chuck. I will be the one to shut it down. I'm not going to blame you for it. The last time you shut it down, it didn't work. I will take the mantle of shutting down. And I'm going to shut it down for border security. But we believe you shouldn't shut it down. The market's immediately taking a hit. A shutdown would impact the Department of Homeland Security and other agencies, temporarily putting about 600,000 federal employees out of work. The three sparring over the takeaway from the midterms. We've gained in the Senate. Nancy, we've gained in the Senate. Excuse me, did we win the Senate? We won the Senate. When the president brags that he won North Dakota and Indiana, he's in real trouble. I did. With Mike Pence sitting there silent and the Democrats clearly exasperated. Mr. President, please don't characterize the strength that I bring to this meeting. The president repeatedly misstated the facts. Tremendous amounts of wall have already been built. In fact, very little new wall has been built and Congress still hasn't approved funding for any of the eight prototypes the Trump administration is considering. Hours later, the president offering his spin on the surreal scene. Believe it or not, I think it was a very friendly meeting. You know, you saw the beginnings of it, but it actually worked out to be, I think, pretty good. But Democrats viewed it differently. This temper tantrum that he seems to throw will not get him his wall. Time magazine is out with its person of the year, and this year's choice includes four different covers featuring the Guardians and the War on Truth. Among them is Washington Post columnist Jamal Khashoggi, an outspoken critic of the Saudi regime who was murdered this fall. The other three covers also feature journalists who were either killed or imprisoned for their work. Last year, the Silence Breakers were honored by Time magazine for sparking the Me Too movement. In Health Matters tonight, they call it the winter surge. The number of emergency room visits spike and wait times grow around the holiday season. But Vancouver Coastal Health is trying something new to reduce the burden. Linda Aylesworth has the alternatives that will make us all feel better. They have a name for what happens in emergency departments this time of year, the winter surge. This time of year represents a very busy holiday season. People may be getting more sick whether it be uh, flus, whether it be pneumonias, car accidents, people falling, slipping as it gets wet. 
But there's another reason. This is also the time of year when family physicians reduce their hours or close their offices altogether. And so when people think of where should they seek care, uh, what's available is an emergency department. As a result of that, along with the fact that many don't have family physicians, up to a third of those who come here aren't actually experiencing emergencies. For them... It could be a very long wait because the emergency department, we see the, the sickest people first. It's not a first-come, first-served basis. And so Vancouver Coastal Health has launched a campaign to help people choose the right care at the right place. So if somebody comes in with an injury, we can x-ray them here. For some, Vancouver's brand new city centre urgent primary care at 1290 Hornby might be just what the doctor ordered. And it's important to point out that it's not a place for emergencies. Patients with uh, sprains, minor fractures, cuts requiring stitches, minor burns, infections. Other options, walk-in clinics. Medimap.ca shows what's in your area and how long the wait is. If you are experiencing an emergency, there's edwaittimes.ca. And it shows the wait times. So the public can make a choice there too, to say that, do I want to go to this ER or that ER? For more information, go to Vancouver Coastal Health's website, vch.ca, and click on Know Your Health Options. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. Inspired by the classic Will Ferrell movie, a guy dresses up as Buddy the Elf, picking random pillow fights with people. That's right <laughs> after the weather forecast. That could go wrong. It could go wrong. <laughs> All right. Uh, Christy Gordon back now with a look at our weather forecast. And we might see a repeat, Christy, of what we saw today. Yes, it's unfortunate, but it's going to be like that all the way through the week. Tomorrow, today was just one, tomorrow another, and we've got sort of two more waves on the way for the rest of the week. Six degrees at the airport right now, and you can see by the icon there, yes, we're actually starting to see some breaks in the sky. The rain has eased off, and that's what we'll see overnight. So here's a look at the next 24 hours. Oh, I would just want to show you that. That's the break that we're going to enjoy for the overnight period and tomorrow morning. But this is the soaker that's headed our way. So here's the next 24 hours. Overnight, we'll drop down to 4 degrees. Dry in the morning. And yes, you might actually see a bit of sunshine. But quickly by the noon hour, the rain begins to push in. And I think your commute home will be a wet one. And pooling water on the roads, localized flooding will again be a concern. For winds, not as much. Most of the winds will be out along the water's edge. But in the meantime, this is a system we're still contending with right now. Wind and rain in some areas lower down and significant snow uh, today in Whistler, 15 centimeters. Still another couple centimeters expected overnight. So the sea to sky anywhere north of Squamish expects snowfall. Doesn't look too bad on the Coquihalla, but we're still expecting another 15 there overnight. Same for the Rogers Pass, and it has been a mess out on the highways today. So snowfall warnings are in effect for all of these areas. Higher elevations, those highways, as well as lower elevations 15 centimeters. So it includes the Columbia region, the West Kootenai area, as well as the Boundary region. Now, across the northern regions, inland regions will see snow, coastal regions rain. Further inland, Prince George, right down and through the south, we'll see some nice breaks tomorrow. This is ahead of the next system, which will push in later tomorrow, pushing into those interior regions by the evening hours. But yes, very stormy again by the end of the day tomorrow, likely through the evening hours, but picking up around 6, and then that will take us into Thursday. Things ease off Thursday to more moderate rain versus heavy. And then Friday, we've got a doozy that's going to push on shore. Wind and rain expected. And after 
as we started to see some breaks in the clouds uh, by the end of the day today, the clouds were spectacular ahead of that clearing. Great shot. Thanks to Dan for that. That is beautiful. Thanks very much, Christy. Thanks, Dan. Well, the movie Elf starring Will Ferrell has become a holiday classic with Buddy believing the best way to spread Christmas cheer is by singing loud for all to hear. But it turns out there may be an even better way, also inspired by the film. Buddy the Elf, a.k.a. Brendan Edwards, challenges strangers to pillow fights on the streets of Boston. It's the firefighter paramedic's second go-round of pounding people with pillows. Sharing the first time was so much fun, he had to do it again. And he wants to hitch a ride on Santa's sleigh to New York City to spread some of that joy there, too. Let's see what they feel about that in New York City. <laughs> Might be different in New York. Mind you, it was Boston. The new guy. The new yeah. guy. We talked about him yesterday. He's a good guy. He's a fun guy. I think he's going to be uh, great to have around town and around the BC Lions. The Lions have gone from the dean of CFL head coaches to a man who's never been a CFL head coach in Devon Claybrooks. But when you look at his resume, building Calgary's championship defense and see the kind of gregarious guy he is, a guy people naturally like, you can see that on the surface, this is a great hire for Ed Hervey and the BC Lions. As we told you yesterday, Clay Brooks is a former CFL player, also a former Super Bowl winner with Tampa Bay back in 2003, and a man who this past August nearly lost his life to diabetes. It was his mom, Sally, who played a big part in saving him. I look fresh. A fresh look means a fresh start for the BC Lions. Devon Claybrooks hasn't been a head coach before, but in his three seasons as the defensive coordinator, the Stampeders went to the Grey Cup every year, winning it all last month. And along with his championship ring, Claybrooks brought some swagger to BC. Well, we're not going to be Calgary of the West. We're going to be the BC Lions of the West. And uh, I think other teams in the league should worry about us. Devon was the number one candidate. Make no mistakes about it. You know, and this was, this was clear across the board. But Clay Brooks almost wasn't even on that board. Earlier this year, the 41-year-old suffered a major health scare. Uh, health scare, yeah, I almost died. Uh, and that's really scary. <laughs> but uh, no, I found out I was a diabetic the hard way. While at home in Calgary, Clay Brooks' blood sugar level was off the charts and he ended up passing out. So I called my neighbor at, um, at home. I mean, in Calgary. And I said, go over there and check on him because he's not answering the phone. And I knew something was wrong. I said, call 911, get him to the hospital. Clay Brooks spent 10 days in the hospital, and when he was released, his mom was there to make sure he was on a less sugary diet. She cleaned up all the sugar and every sweet that was imaginable in my house. They were all gone and replaced with fruit. I think in the last three, last two months, I've ate more fruit than my 41 years of life. And my mom always taught me at a young age that every time that a blessing or a breakthrough is going to happen, somebody, something bad happens to try to hinder that. And I mean, from that, I went from winning the Grey Cup to being named the head coach in the month. Clay Brooks is thankful Mama really does know best. Chanel Pratap, Global Sports. Now, we told you yesterday how Devon Claybrooks doesn't dress like your normal professional football coach. He's one of those guys who likes to wear shorts in the winter, and he likes his hat to be in the fresh Prince of Bel-Air position, just facing the right-hand side, and he's not going to change that look. I mean, my mom says now that I'm a diabetic, I have to have pants on when it gets cold, but, you know, considering we play in a dome, I think I'm still going to wear the shorts 100%, yeah. 
so we're in a dome. The hat will still be the same, so you can get that question out of the way early, that the hat will be the same. And the best part about it is, is my old adage is that if you're really worried about how my hat looks, you're not worried about what's under the hat, and then I got you. So that's fine by me. All right, Columbus. to Columbus, where Brock Besser, that's good hair. And that's not bad hair, Roger. Josh Levo gearing up. Elias Patterson against John Tortorella in the Blue Jackets. Mark's got a good break on their first goal in St. Louis. Now they get a bad break on the first goal against Columbus. This one goes in off Beagle. So, one nothing. Seth Jones gets it. Ben Hutton and Josh Anderson. Anderson going for the net. Cut off at the pass by Hutton. Hutton hits him and then the net hits him. Anderson didn't return to the game. That's not a penalty. It's clean. Okay. So, third period. This puck is just fired. It bounces. It looks like it actually bounces off Jake Vertanen, but they gave it to Josh Lebel, the first guy it hit, so it's 1-1. Then Columbus gets the lead back. Oliver Bjorkstrand, they just watch him, and he gets a clean shot and scores. Beats Markstrom, 2-1. Blue Jackets get mesmerized by Pedersen behind the net. Pedersen gets out in front of the net, and he's the last guy to touch this. And it's 2-2. One more look, Pedersen. Yep. Wasn't his best ever, but it counts. 2-2. And then watch this. Bertanen down the right side just fires it across, and it somehow goes in. Remember during that long losing streak when the Canucks weren't getting bounces? Now they're getting them. 3-2, Nashville on Thursday. Kendall Waston got his wish. He was traded to, or away from, the Vancouver Whitecaps, but he was traded to the newest team in MLS, FC Cincinnati, today for allocation money, which you can use to keep your salary cap lower, and another international player spot for the Whitecaps, which means new Vancouver coach Mark DeSantos has seven international spots to use for next season. Actually, he has seven left. He's already used three of ten. Uh, Kai Kamara also left the Caps. They knew he was going to go, but he was picked up by Cincinnati in the expansion draft, and Cincinnati traded him right away to Colorado. There you go. Okay. You're welcome. Thank you, Squire. Oh, wait, I said you're welcome first. Sorry, I got ahead of you there. <laughs> I'm psychic. I knew you were going to say you, that. Yeah. yeah, well, I usually do okay. around this time. So does he. Here is a look at today's snow report. The basis of snow at all the mountains in BC will grow over the next few days. Whistler Blackcomb currently 91 centimeter base, 43 grouse, Cypress 15, Sasquatch opening to be determined. Revelstoke a base of 123 centimeters near 80 at Fernie, Manning Park's opening date to be determined and 105 centimeter base, Whitewater. Big White's base 102, Silver Star 115, Sun Peaks just under 100 centimeters, Kicking Horse a base of 75, Powder King 103, and opening date at Mount Washington again to be determined. Hey there, I'm Ross Weston, tonight on ET Canada at 7. It is such a pleasure to be here in my new home of the UK. The Duchess of Sussex makes a surprise appearance in London to honor her wedding dress designer and flaunt her growing baby bump. Plus, another daytime TV shakeup as Kathy Lee Gifford tearfully announces that she is stepping down from the Today Show. A man who survived five days trapped in his wrecked truck is finally talking about his brush with death. Kylie Stanton spoke to him about what kept him alive and the stroke of pure luck that led to his rescue. 
the staples running from here and then I had bed sores kind of thing. The injuries are severe. I broke my femur, fractured my shoulder scapula, which is the big part on the back. I fractured three ribs. But given what this young man has been through, the scars they leave behind will always be a reminder of just how lucky he is. Extremely lucky. 23-year-old Duncan Moffat disappeared in early November. And this is the logging road. After leaving the community of Sayward on Vancouver Island in his dad's pickup truck. Unfortunately, I fell asleep, drove off the road. It was a 40 to 50 foot embankment. And that's where he would stay for the next week, drifting in and out of consciousness in what he describes as a dreamlike state, managing to survive on a jug of Gatorade and three crates of apples he had in the back. I was just hoping, hoping that somebody would find me. And somebody did. A hunter who just happened to spot the wreckage from above, calling out to see if anyone was inside. Moments later, help was on the way. We waited for the ambulance together and it was honestly like the best moments, just having somebody to chat with and everything it really calmed me down and made me realize I was going to get out of this. But he still has a long journey ahead, likely two more months in hospital and up to a year of rehabilitation. It's been interesting dealing with all the wounds. Yet it hardly compares to those days trapped in these woods, where Moffat came to understand the power of human will, a lesson he's now holding on to. It's definitely been a pivotal moment, I feel like, in my life. It definitely changed me and will not give up, <laughs> that's for sure. Kylie Stanton, Global News, Victoria. Good for him. Glad he's on the road to recovery for sure. Always have a crate of apples in your car. Right. And Gatorade, Gatorade would have been a good too. one, too, with yeah. the sugars in there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what about those mountain passes over the next day or two? So tonight, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me, everyone, 15 centimeters on all of the mountain passes pretty much. Even lower elevations of the Kootenai and the Columbia regions will see that. You'll see a bit of a break in the morning, but then the snow will be back again tomorrow afternoon, very similar to us. Mm -hmm. Bit of a break in the morning, and then we're back to wind and rain again tomorrow. The wind's zone mainly near the water. Right. Can't Thanks. wait. <laughs> Can't wait. So at least it's cold and rainy, but at least it's wet. And <laughs> exactly. Well. So good night, all. Good night.